You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louis Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April. 95%. We've crunched the data, Louie. Yes. 95% of the shows sell out. So if you're listening to this in the months of March and April, be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today. Yes, especially if you're your bucket list item is to see the opening show. Get them now. Absolutely. On this episode, we welcome in clown extraordinaire Fable Keeveman. We learn about his journey to becoming a clown as well as what social circus is. Yeah, we get into some pretty cool stuff about how you develop an act, what gets one person into clowning, and uh, where you can take it, what you the cool stuff that you can do with it as a career a great conversation with fable keeven let's get to it today's guest is a clown who has performed all over the world they have toured with clowns without borders and cirque du soleil we welcome in fable keeven <laughs> welcome and uh we were supposed to do it yesterday but you're just telling us that you have a cat that kept you up all night is this yes uh, i uh, i'm watching my buddy's cat and well, I don't, sometimes I, I get ahead of myself and I, I realized uh, that cats are nocturnal. <laughs> well, <laughs> I am not a nocturnal. <laughs> yeah, you're a morning person because when I've been reaching out to you at like nine in the morning, you're like, what's up? And I'm like, you're not a performer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a difference between a professional performer and a performer. Right, right, right. <laughs> so we get up early. Yeah. Describe what you do. Okay. Well, um, I am a. I'm a. Well, I'm a multifaceted, multi-talented um, professional clown. Um, so my specialty is clown, um, physical comedy, and um, and then my other specialty is. Well, I'm an all-around artist. Honestly, I'm a I'm a draw. I do drawings, fine like uh, con, like uh, abstract drawings. I do I, I make my own music, but yeah, my profession is that I'm a clown and a circus contemporary circus performer. Um, so I I spent majority of my career in Europe um, touring with different uh, with different shows and um, started out with a company called Cirque on the Route. And it was the first time we performed at Moisture Festival was actually, I performed there was with them. Um, we did, we did three hikes. We did like a comedy clown acrobatics. And um, so I've always been very much a, a clown that's focused on skills, um, circus skills, um, being that I, I started off my career in San Francisco and then to France. And in France, they're very heavily skill influenced um, and um, influence in contemporary circus. And so the market is, is pretty different there than it is here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I studied um, at San Francisco Circus Center over 15 years ago. Um, my teachers uh, in clown were Jeff Raz, uh, 
Robin Foreman, um, Dan Griffiths helped me with some, and um, um, uh, Joan Mankin, um, you know, many San Francisco clowns that are out there um, from the new uh, from the Pickle Family Circus, and those were the traditions that I was taught in. And then I moved to France, and I, I was learning from different clowns out there as well. How did you even find that you wanted to become a clown, or wanted to go to school to study it? Like, what were you doing beforehand, and what caught your interest? Oh, um, what caught my interest to become a clown? Um, what caught my interest to become a clown was that. I, I was actually um, going to college at the school <laughs> in Ohio called um, the School of the Revolutionary uh, Antioch College. And, oh, cool. Uh, I know. It's so fancy, but it was so... I don't uh, think Ohio would be the spot for that. But. <laughs> right. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Uh, it was like Lord of the Flies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were just at each other's throats, you know, Um um yeah so politically speaking um we're at each other's throats and i basically um was started studying theater because i i wanted to do something i don't know i was getting depressed from studying history and i was like i can't study this i gotta study something that will like get me in my body you know um and I was I was actually trans at the time. I was male MTF. I was uh, identifying as male female, and I was um, on I was going through transition, um, beginning process of it. And I kind of was dealing with a lot of identity stuff. And when I started getting into theater, started playing with gender roles in 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 the theater, and. I thought that I was in a pretty toxic environment. Um, well, I, I was in a pretty toxic environment. So I decided to transfer to a school called New College of California in San Francisco, where they had a performance program called uh, Experimental Queer and Social Activism Performance Art. And I went there to study like activism because I was very involved in queer activism and um, just radical politics at the time on the left. And um, I went there and I was studying performance art um, that would be about uh, geared towards uh, radical change and activism and things like this. And uh, they ended up having a collaborative program with the Circus Center of San Francisco, mm -hmm. the Clown Conservatory. And I was like, I, I was like, well, this is really interesting because I started studying about masks and different types of masks in the theater and um, what their history is. and um, and then I started getting on the kick of clowns and I was like, oh, wow, clowns have masks, you know, it's just paint. And, um, and I thought that was very interesting. So um, I applied for clown school. Well, I started when I was, I applied for clown school basically uh, right when I got there uh, and I, and I flunked. I didn't get it. <laughs> Wait, what's on a clown school application? Like, what is that like? Oh, no. <laughs> do you have $63? And also, how do you how do you flunk, how do you not get in? Like, well, what, what, who are they rejecting? I guess, I guess living in a tent wasn't ideal. <laughs> I thought, I thought that's what how it goes. That's even. Yeah, I thought they get you in faster. I know that's what I thought was hella funny. I was like, oh my god. Um, but I, I was like I said, I was very radically leftist and. My performance art was very, excuse me, my performance art was very performancey art like. And um, it, clown is, um, it's, a, it's a trade. Mm. You know, it's a trade, it's a profession. Um, so it was hard for the director at the time to kind of, I think, see how I fit in the program and if I was going to be, you know, the right fit for the program. Um, well, and I was living in a tent on somebody's land the way out, like north. And I was like, just, oh, geez. I was, yeah, I was just like, I, I was just, <laughs> I was a little cuckoo. Um, yeah. So, I mean, not that I'm not anymore. It's just different yeah, type of cuckoo, different type. Yeah. I'm more, yeah. 
more to, I'm uh, organized Goo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I started, um, I said, well, the kind of person I am, I'm extremely stubborn and I know, and, and it felt right for me. And, um, it felt like that was my passion. And so I started, well, I said, okay, fine. I started studying classes, like taking some like basic classes, juggling and things like this at the circus center. And then I um, started joined, I joined a rat, like kind of a radical group of circus performers who did social circus. And we started doing like circus, going circus skill chairs and stuff like this. And I, I started learning about like, you know, chairs on my face and, juggling you know carrying around my freaking my little suitcase pink suitcase with a broken handle and i was dressing like a clown all the time (laughs) which is a normal life (laughs) like it was my normal life yeah like it was like normal for me to look like this like weird queer atomic you know uh um hobo clown so real Um, real quick can you let everyone know what social circus is yeah, social circus um, is something I still do to this day. Um, but social circus is uh, kind of like doctors without borders, except it's circus without borders or cir- or clowns without borders. And what um, the difference is is that you know we take the service that we have, which is in circus, would be like you know physical activities, learning to build confidence through circus skills training. Um, build community, build friendships, and um, and and just build trust. Learn to learn to go beyond what you think you can go beyond. It's it it uh, helps um, with depression and social anxiety and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, and um, clowns like clowns without borders type stuff. Uh, laughter relief. You know, there's tons of articles of out there about how laughter is basically medicine. In a lot of cultures and traditions, laughter is extremely sacred, and and clowns are extremely sacred. And so, um, doing that kind of work is extremely important for a lot of people. And I've been to places where they absolutely hate clowns, and they don't want anything to do with them. And they <laughs> say clowns, and they run for the bushes or the trees. And it just depends where you go. So you've been to Belltown. Um, yeah, about that. <laughs> well, like for instance, I I, I done um, I, was, I I I do ceremony out in South Dakota once a year, and um, I, and um, I was uh, in Wyoming at one point, um, and the the community out there that's native they didn't want they have a whole myth lore about evil clowns, so I when i presented doing clown shows they were like gasping like Ugh. <laughs> so you just want to you know know your audience and know the people and before you just jump in there and be like Dude, i'm here to help you with my social circus you know but it's it's something that is uh extremely focused towards community and so i was that's what i was doing yeah and now you run your own uh, Big Heart Circus. Well, Big Heart Circus is kind of in remission right now. It's um, I'm stepping back a little bit from it. I I was doing um, with Big Heart Circus. I had um, a giant forty foot circus bus that was I built a stage on top of. And oh wow! Build out and had like a whole um, had a whole curtain set up and portique and which is the aerial rig and that we'd set up and we basically um i i would organize doing circus shows for migrant communities and indigenous communities and um the the first few of the um trips i did i would i went to um i i, I collaborated with cmar cmar is a rehab it's a it's a clinic a clinic basically um they do med- med- multiple things d- dental medical re- rehabilitation um, and they do offer those services to migrants. Um, and this was during the era of I, like when ICE was really hopping during the Trump era mm. um, and Obama era, for that matter. Um, but um, basically, I would collaborate with them. They'd go in their giant bus that they had for dental work and medical work. And I'd show up at the migrant farm with a bunch of circus artists. And Wait, so the two 
buses be traveling together like you got this hopped out like cool medical bus and then this like painted sir- clown circus bus behind it yeah, I, could, so, I could get i could so. get a root canal or watch a trapeze act yeah <laughs> well they'd show up and we'd show up and um you know like we did uh we did some shows uh it was like it was like basically it was like the migrant community there couldn't really leave you know they're living in um apartment complex on farms and so they could leave but it's very dangerous and um family members get snatched up by ice and there's no communication about it um even though the majority of the migrant workers who go there you know they actually have um, tax ids and they pay taxes Mm. um and they work and they pay taxes but because they don't have citizenship ice will just snatch them up and send them away and not give any notice to the families and this and that so so people were afraid to leave and so we would just say okay well seymour's going there the kids got nothing to do you know so we went there and did some shows and then they would do their thing we do our thing and and that would be that and, and uh you know um that was a really awesome thing to do I really was happy and proud of, and yeah, it's another, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Another another project I did was I went down to California and um, put on a fundraising show for Native American and uh, at risk youth, um, Native American at risk youth and at risk youth um, in um, in uh, freaking you know somewhere in <laughs> middle California, like. How do you organize all this stuff? Like, do you just call CMAR or call like, you know, the organization that's helping the kids to be like, Hey, I got this bus and we do circus shows for, uh, you know, people in need. And, uh, you know, um, it depends. Um, uh, most of what I like, well, because I'm very, like I said, I'm, I'm, I've been involved like with alternative communities for a long time. I do ceremony. Um, so I'm a ceremonial, practitioner and I, I I'm involved with uh, you know different types of communities I I've I, I done social circus for a long time so yeah I'll contact I'll talk with I, honestly I'll just make friends yeah I just make friends and I say hey what do you do and they're like oh I happen to do I have this youth organization that I because you know believe it like majority like so many it's the majority of people that work in social services honestly are like black and brown people you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like it's uh, and and so like when i'm like hanging with folks who are not like there's a lot of obviously caucasian people who do it um but uh the majority of my friends who because i'm radical leftist and um or a leftist i should say um the majority of people who i'm friends with that are um people of color um they work in social services so and so so i just talk with them and i find out their connections and how i can be how i can offer my help because what i did for years was i'd work and professionally as a circus performer and then i'd make my money and then i'd come back and i'd invest in social circus projects that's all i did and i'd create art nice now what other kinds of art do you do because you mentioned you do like drawing or like what other yeah um oh well let's see um well i we get a tour oh man i was going to show you but it's, it's kind of like well i might as well just tell you i i like have a drawing that i do of like uh winnie the pooh upside down uh abstract art that he's like stuck in a honey pot um and he's like oh and he's in the trap door on a trap door and like uh i do like a lot of very abstract drawings I'm, I'm actually starting to do tattooing um and uh that's a hobby for me i so right now i get to tattoo myself and it's a lot of fun that's pretty that's amazing <laughs> yeah i like well because i had i had a question because i watched a documentary uh that you did or or uh, the feature in called humans are weird and yeah. you had talked about your tattoos being um you got the the clown tattoo, you guys, because this is audio podcast, obviously, but you have like some, I, I believe it's eyebrow tattoos and like a little bit smaller ones on your lip or on your, the edges of your mouth. And you talked about why you got those, um, as a, as of a commitment to the, the lifestyle yeah. and the commitment to, well, that's true um, actually. And, 
um, I was, uh, the truth is, is how I got into clowning um, was actually because of a tragedy that was in my family. Um, and my mother and my sister almost died in a car wreck. And when I went out, I was already doing kind of ceremonial stuff. Uh, and um, like, I've been a part of the radical fairy community for a long time. And I was already going to, uh, I was already going to ceremonies for a little while, but basically when I went to go see my sister and my mother um, in that moment, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, you know? And my sister would never walk again. She never, you know, she's never been able to walk. She's living off of a breathalyzer. Uh, she literally, her life is in the hands of another person. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I took it upon myself and was like, well, this, you know, clowning is a spiritual path for me. I'm not going to go and say I'm this or I'm that because I'm not trying to appropriate people's culture. Um, but what I will say that in my in my cultures, the clowns were still also very important role models and figures. Um, and for me, that was a that was a, my moment of like initiation for myself. Where and ever since, I've been full speed ahead. In fact, now. I'm that clown who's like, well, maybe I should be a UPS driver, or you know, <laughs> I get like work on, I get work all around the world, and I'm like, well, maybe I'm gonna, I think I want to run a taxi business. So I ran a taxi, <laughs> like a small taxi business. I think I saw you mentioned UPS. Didn't you briefly work for UPS during the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, just a month. I fucking <laughs> suck. Excuse my language. I was the worst. Yeah, I. <laughs> I, I I tell you what I've been bad at every single job that I've tried to get that wasn't in clowning, and it it's like I, I guess being a clown doesn't translate to the rest of the real world of job market. It took a sort. I mean, you start with the red nose taxi. Wasn't that sort yeah. of like doing a combination of multiple clowning with transportation of people? Or how it was go? actually it was actually like a human to human connection that I was trying to build, and it was pretty cool, man. I gotta say, I, I, I was starting to get my business going and, and this and that, and things were going pretty well. But um, I am a complicated human being, and I'm I, you know I have my own issues that I've got to deal with. So um, I decided that the nightlife is not a life that I should be around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, to put it plainly, you know, I mean, you've been around some crazy stuff. I was reading a news article about um, you were in San Francisco and you worked with someone who like hit someone in a troop in the troop you were in. And then they were like doing naked acrobatics on the BART train. Oh, man, that was such a sad story. Um, I directed a show called the Spaghetti Western, and it was a uh, part of Clown Snot Bombs <laughs> group. Um, and that was the first social circus group I was involved with. Clown Snot Bombs? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I was involved with them, and I, and, I, and I helped start this company to get off their feet called uh, Circosphere uh, USA. And, and they were called Circosphere at the time, but I had just come back from Switzerland and I'd worked uh, for this circus called Surf Starlight and I would, they wanted me to direct them in a, in a show. So I directed a show called A Spaghetti Western and this guy, Jay from Colombia, uh, came with his girlfriend, Mani, and they were living at the clown house. There's a warehouse like where we do circus skill shows and stuff and live. And yeah, he... It was, uh, he was my friend, you know, he taught me um, capoeira and, um, you know, stuff like this. And, uh, but he ended up having um, palsy or half your face uh, droops. Yeah. And he had a psychotic break um, because of that. And he, um, after rehearsal one day, he ran like he ran down and barked and like stripped down naked and started attacking people um and it wasn't the first time that he started attacking people like but you know we knew that he was struggling with mental health and um well I, it just started kind of appearing that way and anyways he 
him and him and I kept in, he ended up getting arrested and they held him in jail for quite a while. And even though he was clearly dealing with mental health issues, and um, yeah, they spun the story off the way what I said on the news it was totally what they made it sound totally fucked up. Like I was like accusing him of being you know violent and all this stuff when I was just like, no, he was struggling with mental health, and because of that, he attacked me, mm-hmm. right? But they just said, oh, he attacked, you know. Gotcha, yeah. When I saw the quote, I figured there was more to it. Cause it was like, dot, 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 he attacked me. <laughs> yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it was so messed up that they did that. But that's the news where I learned a valuable lesson at that point. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it was at the expense of Jay. And Jay um, was so embarrassed. And years later, him and I were talking on the phone when he's in Columbia. And then one day, it just stopped talking to me and stopped calling and i found out he had committed suicide so So, yeah pretty pretty sad story that's super sad been been through some things for sure (laughs) yeah you know yeah life isn't all peaches and cream when you live the kind (laughs) of life i live (laughs) well and you know this industry is you know it's it's tough because it's hard to get to a place where you make money and and it's some people are day to day on the sense that like you you're essentially like a gig worker so you go from gig to gig sometimes you can get a gig that lasts a long time sometimes it's you get one gig in january and you don't work again till march and yeah it's not always uh ideal for people that you know might have emotional issues or aren't emotionally stable or yeah um well, it's or just aren't prepared to have, live that life and then the day-to-day highs and lows of going yeah you're in a 2000 seat theater on saturday and sunday you're for four people at a backyard barbecue yeah yeah <laughs> or you're performing on the street for one person who's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i I, think, I don't think we've ever really met in person i think we may i think we did the moisture festival a long time ago together but we, and we like yeah. periphery met but then i saw you street performing uh, i think at the georgetown carnival maybe in maybe 2019 nice. um and you're uh having the person on your back while you walked across broken yeah. glass yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my street show, man. It's way different than my clowning. Uh, I learned to street perform from the Sardine Family Circus. They're out of base they were based out of San Francisco, traveling English family that was in the United States. Pretty well known in the street performance market. Um they're a family, so you know, like they're quite the characters. <laughs> Uh, and I was friends with Lynx Kim. Him and I would street perform side by side on Fisherman's Wharf and stuff. Um, you know, I wasn't a gun ho like everyday type street performer. I was like, I'm street performing because this is a necessity. Yeah. At the moment, and I got nothing else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So, but I what I found is like in the entertainment like in the entertainment industry you kind of have to dip your toes in many markets and mm-hmm. um i'm on i'm very not money driven i'm not a money driven person i don't come from money um it's weird i want to be i want to be i'm like oh, i should have more money I'm, and i'm like oh that just takes work <laughs> i'd rather have my time you know yeah so but there, I, I find that a lot of people who are able to continue in the market um, but you know they say money makes money, right? So uh, I find that you know a lot of people who have money, you know, that get in the circus, they they're able to really sustain themselves. They come they come from money, they can just keep doing it, and it keeps building upon building. But if you don't come from money and you're doing circus and it's hard, you know, like you're like just living, you know, dollar by dollar, you know, um, yeah, that can make things difficult, man. Well, to make it really difficult. Haven't, but haven't, hence the reason why I'm like, oh, maybe I should be a UPS job. <laughs> maybe I should get a regular job, you know? Yeah. Well, I do also think that there's a fine line of like, you know, chasing the gig, but also like, you know, because I, I found in my, as a professional variety entertainer, like that I'm chasing the work as opposed to putting the work into my show. And I yeah. think there is like a, a balance that can sometimes you go all in on one or all in on the other and uh and it looks like i mean 
just watching your stuff, I'm amazed at like the work you've put into a your character, um, your stage presence, you, the, your yeah. skills. Like the glass, I had never seen anybody have someone on their back while glass walking. That um, that jar tossing stuff you do, you essentially have this giant jar. Um, it's funny. I, t- I teach a juggling workshop, and I show videos of people doing the jar juggling but they're like from the 60s or 70s <laughs> and i hadn't seen anybody do that but after you know so i'm gonna show them i'm gonna update the video with you doing it yeah but you're like catching these giant jars on your head like where did you come up with uh this sort of stuff or get interest in doing like sort of non-conventional things okay so um well i actually learned uh, like i said my lineage of of clown was through the pickle family circus my um oh yeah and 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 so my, my circus skills were a lineage of lu yi master lu yi from san francisco chinese circus mm. um and and so jar juggling comes from china yeah uh, plate spinning i don't know if it comes from china but i'm pretty sure it comes from china but i don't know but i got my plate spinning from teacher shaw who is Lu Yi's partner, acrobatic partner. He had a happy chef act and he passed that down to me. Lu Yi passed down the, the jar juggling act. He always wanted to be a jar juggler and he, and he couldn't do it. It was too hard. Um, but I don't know. He looked at my head and he said, well, that looks like a really dumb you could, head. You could take a three pound <laughs> jar. <laughs> I, he said to me, sat me down he sat me down he said because i was looking for circus skills and first circus skill i had was this skill called song fan which is um a giant bamboo umbrella act out of china i said i think i can do that he was like yeah yeah you're right and i was like cool so like he he realized i i was thinking practically because some people like me going like i want to be a one-arm handstand artist and he's like yeah you know he's very chinese so he's like yeah right dude and he's like he'll tell you straight up no you can't maybe never life <laughs> no life you know and so so for me he sat me down one day and he said oh, i have an idea i think you can do jar juggle i said jar juggle what the fuck is jar juggling he was like you take jar and you throw on your head excuse the accent that's how he talks you know what i mean um and i said okay and uh you know i'm like well i'll try <laughs> i spent like did he show you a video or something he's just like you're, you're tossing jars cookie jars up smashing them on your head like a gallagher act yeah he didn't i didn't honestly i don't remember seeing a video in the beginning i just was trusting him and jars jars on head yeah so said, yeah i said I started with just balancing a jar on my head. For two years, I was training about six hours a day, throwing jars, catching or balancing jars, throwing jars on my head, throwing them in the air, spinning them around, and then um, manipulating them around my body, like a contact juggling ball and, uh, um, and balancing giant poles on my head and kicking poles on my head. Yeah. And yeah, in terms of the character stuff, uh, doing that stuff differently, I, like I said, I have heavily influencing a temporary clown art and stuff. And um, I'm all about incorporating my clown into my skills. That's been my, my life. Yeah. Now, how did you yeah. end up at the Moisture Festival? Um, I ended up there to um, first doing my, um, with my acrobatic troupe, Cirque on the Root. Um, Jonah and Laurie, and Laurie's French. Uh, Jonah is now French. Um, <laughs> I become a French citizen. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how we ended up there. And then since then, I've done I've done it like two or three times more. Um, I'm I want to be doing it this year too, if possible. Um, but I did my Carmen jar juggling, Habanera jar juggling act there, which went over really great. Um, I did my plate spinning act, which went over really great. And I would like to be doing, I would like to come back with my umbrella act next. And, uh, I'd like to be doing some more clown acts. Oh, I also did my chair act. My, my, my very, my, my most famous act on YouTube, stuffing my body into a chair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
all these skills that took years of training with no social life and my chair act where I stuffed my body through a chair is the most famous one. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you go from like doing circuses, like a social, like it sounds like you do a lot of social circus stuff and you come to the moisture festival, like, do you have to adjust mentally or like what explain like sort of the difference between going from performing for, you know, migrants in California to coming to Seattle and performing in a theater full of, you know, weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, um, well, you know, like when I work, I've worked uh, in traditional med shows. I've worked in uh, variety dinner theater in Germany. I've worked in med shows in the United States. I worked in corporate entertainment. Um, I've worked birthday parties like once. One, oh, sorry, I worked a birthday party, um, and I. <laughs> I want done multiple walk around things, yeah. all types of stuff, yeah. street performance. So honestly, um, it's all the same. It's all really just the only difference is that um, one is doing it for people where, I mean, everybody's going through tragedy in some way sometimes, you know, so it's, but uh, you know, the, there is a, definitely a difference between what I'm doing at moisture festival. So, I think I've just been performing so long that it's just, it just is another performance, you know? Yeah. You have, um, you have the toolbox that you can just go, okay, this show, I'm going to be doing this, you know? At this point, like, like I have a gig this Sunday and if they ask me to, they'll ask me 48 hours in advance, which they haven't. So if they, <laughs> if, if they were to ask me, I would just be like, well, I'll just put that song in, I'll do that, act that way, and then I'll just do it because it's like, I've done it so many times and yeah um so it's a kind of a secondhand nature for me at this point and um it's a lot of fun i the where i fall short is sometimes i get lazy and i forget that i have to keep reinventing the wheel and like oiling my motor skills you know, yes my engine um, um but like the natural like part of clowning for me is that's an easy part. But then the scientific part of it is where I like, yeah. I'm like, oh, sometimes you got to get a little bit more in depth in your clown, you mm -hmm. know, like uh, in a scientific manner, no clown logic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, now I'm actually um, – Stepping back a little bit. I mean, I still would do stuff with Big Heart Circus. If somebody said to me, hey, well, I want you to do Big Heart Circus. And like the last time I did Big Heart Circus, I was doing show. I did a show for an orphanage on Porcupine Reservation in the reservation in South Dakota. And that was the last time I did you know, Big Heart Circus. And that was just me. Mm -hmm. Because I found that um, the, the more intense the, the thing that I'm doing, the less people actually want to do it. Like people want to do a lot of people want to do social circus that is really extremely safe and and that's fair, right? And I'm that person who's like, oh, I think I want to go do this thing that's actually really dangerous and I have no support for. It. Yeah, <laughs> but it sounds like a really good thing to do. You know, it's a good thing to do, and, <laughs> but it's, it's like it's kind of like. It's hard for people to get behind that, you know what I mean? Well, I think so, that's how you grow as a performer too. Like you're taking risks and you're pushing your you're pushing boundaries regardless of like uh, you know, who how many people show up. Yeah. Yeah, and also the truth is is like I have always been um a wild card um and part of the part of the thing of why I get hired actually um like I don't really search gigs out um like contracts uh, i used to um but when i get contracts it's usually because people are very much looking for a very specific kind of thing um in my case it's like that big person who can do who is very unexpectedly funny in certain ways and is mm -hmm. um surprising and 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 can do clown and can do multi skills you know and um so there were before the pandemic i had like worked for Cirque du Soleil in Monaco. I was their clown chef. I was the clown of the show. And I, I, I got to go to Japan. I was in, I was, I went to Daidoji World Cup and 
um, I was doing my stagehand show and all this stuff. And I was traveling all over the place and, and everything was just coming to me, you know, it was great. Finally, people were like, I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And they were like, do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we trust, we trust you'll do a good job regardless of what you do. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow, I've arrived. I finally, <laughs> you know, like I yeah. feel respected finally. <laughs> You know, like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when I, that's, uh, that's a great feeling when a producer is in a high level. It's just like, do what you want to do. That's why we hired you, you know? Yeah, I saw, I saw, I think I got a message. It's funny that we were doing a podcast with you because I got a message that you were doing workshops. Are you transitioning into now teaching clowning to people? Um, so I'm doing a few cur current things I'm doing right now. One, um, I'm in recovery, right? So this is something that's been part of my life, recovery. It's a process. Um, it's not a destination. Um, but I finally come to a place where I'm like, I'm just going to, I've been doing social circus for years. Why don't I do social circus with recovery? So people in recovery want to have fun and do stuff. And people in recovery want to learn stuff. Um, and they want to do it with other people who are in recovery and sober or people who are just healthy, right? So I, I created this project called the Recovery Circus Arts Project. And I'm starting a class and it's going to be starting January 4th at, um, and it's going to be happening at Emerald City. It's through Sanka and it's January 4th, every Thursday at five o'clock. And that is going to be a free class. It's volunteer. It's, it's for fellowshipping. It's for people in recovery to come, yeah. people who support sobriety, who are clean and sober for at least 48 hours. Okay. Be the because, coolest AA meeting ever. Yeah. It'll be such a cool, but it's not an AA meeting. You know, we oh, got okay. to keep AA and NA out of it. Yeah, okay. It is, it is recovery. Yeah. It is recovery focused. And that could be for anybody struggling with uh we call it the disease of addiction um that could be overeating that could be gambling that could be smoking that could be spending money that could i mean the list goes on what we can be addicted to right yeah sugar you know yeah. um the point is is that it's for people who are like i'm working on my codependency issues and i'm looking for an outlet right I'm looking for an outlet where I can do something positive that isn't about that. Yeah. You know? um, but the thing is, is if it's about, if you're in sobriety from drugs and alcohol, because it's a circus school, we ask because it takes sometimes more than 48 hours to detox from drugs and alcohol, right? So whoever comes, if they're recovering from drugs and alcohol, we ask, you know, 48 hours clean and sober. That's um, what we ask. There are other organizations out there that do that kind of stuff. We're not the only one. Um, I'm not the only one who's kind of put that standard there. Um, and it's for a good reason. You know, it's safety. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> plus, we'll be maybe around kids sometimes. I don't yeah. want to, you know, I just want to make sure that everybody is safe. And though I'm doing that. That's once a week. And it's free. I'm just That's awesome. My, yeah, it's free. All they have to do is come and register. That's it. They just have to register. They can come week by week whenever they want. And that's um, at Emerald, that Emerald City Trapeze. Yeah. And I'll be teaching basically in the beginning. We'll be doing like warm-ups, physical theater exercises, just getting to know each other. Very simple stuff, you know. Um, and then there'll be a half hour of focused skill training, teaching. Like I have an aerial teacher that's going to come in and show very basic stuff. It's for beginners and people of all all levels uh, it's very ability focused right anybody who um or very focused towards anybody can participate um who goes and it doesn't matter what skill level you're at so basics 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 i'm going to be at the end of that i'm going to pull out a bunch of props and have those all out like juggling tight wire you know low to the ground uh <laughs> yeah. balancing unicycling ro uh, rolling ball things like this. And, um, we're just going to go at it and I'm going to help people kind of like learn. That's awesome. Stuff. That's great. Yeah. And then, uh, the other thing I'm doing is, um, I am 
teaching clown workshops now. I think like I'm 41. I've been doing this for a while. And, you know, I, I, I don't, a lot of teachers, they, they, they've been, it's a career for them from the beginning. And um, for me, my career has been in clown. And now I'm kind of like, okay, start time for me to also pass that tradition on like my teachers did for me. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop clowning. doesn't mean I'm going to stop performing, but it does mean that, you know, I have the, I believe that with my experience, I have the skills and knowledge to teach clowning in a, in a really good way. Um, yeah. And where can people get information on the, the clown workshops? For the clown workshops, you can find, um, there's, there's, there's going to be this month, uh, Okay, in Olympia, I'm teaching a clown workshop on the 20th and at Sparrow Studio. This is January of 2024. Yep, that's right. It's 2024. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the future right now. <laughs> Holy crap! Um, yes, um, Sparrow Studios, Olympia, on the 20th, one to three. Registration is through my email, um, fablehaha at gmail.com. And then the 27th, 28th at Senka. Um, that is through Senka. You're just going to go on there. There's a link. You just push that link and you register and you just come and we do four. It's going to be two four-hour days. Oh, so, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be pretty in-depth stuff. I mean, I'm my workshops are um, they're a combination of things. Like, I, I learned a lot of stuff uh, in my in my education around uh, using viewpoints, for instance, using mind techniques for exercises and using uh, clown, clown uh, kind of like clown physical theater exercises that kind of help you get out of yourself and help you get into yourself, right? So like take you away from who you think you are, right? This is perception we all have of who we believe we are, right? But then when you get on stage, you quickly see what the people see is actually who you are, mm. right? Like if they're not, if you're a clown and you're on stage and you're not getting laughs, there's a reason. Mm. And most likely if you're, if you're trying to get laughs, that is, that's most likely because you're not being authentic, you know? So like people laugh at authenticity and they laugh at being able to connect that vulnerability. They also laugh at timing. They also laugh at, you know, various techniques, but the stuff I'm not too worried about timing. Actually in my workshop, I'm going to be focused more on that vulnerability that you yeah. share, right. And breaking down all that stuff that you believe you are that may or may not be true. Right. And then helping you build up what people perceive you as physically, right? And you utilizing those those physical attributes of yourself to build into your character and to build into yeah. Your Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and if people want to check out more stuff, fafazuniverse.com is your website, correct? Yeah, and they can find me on Facebook. I do a lot more posting. Um, Fafa's universe. Um, um, sorry, <laughs> Fafa's universe. Uh, Recovery Circus Arts Project on Facebook, um, and they can always look up Big Heart Circus stuff on just Google yeah. it, whatever on Facebook or whatever. But yeah, the two main projects I'm doing right now, and that's. Uh, and if you want to see your uh, most viewed YouTube video, just Google person squeezing through a chair <laughs> <laughs> just type in clown just type oh, in clown yeah. fable keevman will come up at some point and you and, or you can type in the, yeah no it's great i don't know if it's because of my but everybody who looks up like so recently people have been saying oh man i looked up your name or i know i looked up clown on youtube and you came up oh that's nice I was like, whoa. What I a bet trip. if they typed in clown fable, you wouldn't come up though. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. 
I have no idea. I, I'm just like, ooh, that's so cool. That's pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> I know. It's like getting it, your picture in the dictionary under a definition or something. You know, like, dude, I looked up the fool on YouTube and I came up. That's <laughs> <laughs> or not the jester. That's what it was. The jester. I was like, "What the hell?" You should be getting royalties on that Google search, dude. I know. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyways, though, I'm I'm no big deal. I'm just I'm just me, and I'm I'm just some like, uh, you know, person who's been through the ringer and is um is a clown. That's it. You, you came know. out on the other. You're, you're doing great, yeah. and. uh we actually really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us on the Moisture Festival podcast. And again, if people want to check you out, fafazuniverse.com, you're on Facebook, uh, or just type in clown or shout clown, yeah. shout clown out your window. <laughs> and, and the bus and will show up. My name. You can type in Fable Keithman as well. And, and then, you know, and don't forget, like, uh, don't forget, you know, if you guys can, I would love to meet that thousand follower mark on youtube so i could start getting royalties in some way and so feel free to like and subscribe yeah. i have a clown vlog like i have one of clown video how to be a clown for dummies right? oh nice yeah it's got four thousand views so far i'd like to up that you know all right yeah. well, hopefully uh our 11 listeners uh you know we can get 10 of them to <laughs> to watch the uh <laughs> You guys, I'll be counting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Fable, thank you so much for meeting with us. Uh, we really appreciate yeah. it. And uh, it's good to virtually meet you. Likewise. And, you know, don't forget to live, laugh, and love. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, All right. Fable. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. That's it for today, folks. want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more information like who's performing, how to volunteer, how to contribute, be sure to go to the Moisture Festival website, which is moisturefestival.org. If you like this podcast, you can check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Yeah. You can get on all of the podcast places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and where we talk about weird news stories of the day. It's a good time. Yeah. If you like this podcast, you will love that because it is all things weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that has links to my personal page and Louis Fox's personal page if you want to follow what we do individually. So we want to thank all of the performers, donors, sponsors, volunteers who put Put on the Moisture Festival. It really takes a village to make this thing happen. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening, and we want to thank you in advance for coming out to the Moisture Festival. So be sure to check out the Moisture Festival's site. They also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page to see how you can get involved and be a part of this year's or next year's Moisture Festival. We want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and we hope to see you soon. See you later. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.